0: I'm here with Dr. Rosie Kuhn. I'm Nick Fortino and we are in conversation today. Dr. Rosie Kuhn is a psychologist and a writer and a transformational coach and an artist. And it's great to be here with you.
1: Thanks, Nick, it's nice to see you again.
0: We came into contact and had the inspiration to do this interview because we realized that we had this shared interest in the topic of intelligence. Mm -hmm. And uh, you had mentioned to me that you've been really thinking a lot about spiritual intelligence. And this is not currently in the multiple intelligences theory, which is really one of the broadest theories of intelligence. So Mm -hmm. spiritual intelligence is not really being recognized in any of the main models of intelligence quite yet. So I think this could be a good opportunity for us to talk about what that is. So will you speak to that? The
1: the words spiritual intelligence came to me when I was talking to a particular individual. We were in a network marketing group and we were discussing and she was saying, you know, I really like you and I really like Marta. And I don't know why I like you guys better than everybody else. Hmm. And the words that came out of my mouth was, well, we have a spiritual intelligence that they don't have because both of us were. And I didn't even know what I was saying because it was like, ah, I just saying it. But that sense that there was a quality of being or quality of presence that was beyond normal 3D consensus reality that took in grace, kindness, generosity, something bigger than just your normal consensus reality kind of conversation. So that, that was the beginning of it. And that was before 2000. I graduated in 2001. And so the idea of writing a book on spiritual intelligence started way back then for me. And then, um, I cannot remember the individuals, uh, uh, um, Dr. Walsh, and I can't remember her first name right now.
0: There's she ra- had talked about, Fra- uh, and I'm thinking of the Vaughns, Francis and Roger
1: Francis. Yeah. Francis- it was Francis.
0: Okay. Perfect. Yeah. yeah.
1: So Francis had talked about spiritual intelligence in, because, At that time, it was like, oh, I thought that I made this up. And then it's like, oh, no, she's talked about it. And other people have utilized, have used that term. Um, And it was like, okay, Um, But so that's when it it just popped up in that way. And then it's like, well, what the heck is that? Mm -hmm. What is it that distinguishes that from cognitive intelligence, all the other intelligences? So that's kind of where this conversation comes in is like, is it different? Is it part of, is it, what is it? Yes. Yeah.
0: So let's even maybe start with the word spiritual. I think you, you described it in what you just said about something greater than consensus reality, Mm
2: -hmm. which
0: might include, like you said, grace, kindness, generosity. So is there anything else you can say about exactly how you define the word spiritual or spirituality
1: um so in my book i, I might reference my books just because yes, i do. can um and so in i wrote a book called uh cultivating spirituality in children mm-hmm. 101 ways to make our children allow Our support our children into story and i did describe i did a really good <laughs> description of spirituality mm-hmm. in that And the idea of that was, that book was, hey, as as parents, we need to integrate and know what and experience and live these concepts in order to bring about greater degrees of spirituality in our children. For me, spirituality is about living beyond what we know to be true, living beyond fear-based, factual consensus reality. So I talk about the paradigm shifts, which are paradigm shift. We have to have a paradigm that's greater than what we're living in. And so many of us know that we have that, but we don't actually engage in it in an intelligent way. Mm -hmm. That makes sense in an engaged way. We go to church or we do meditation, but in terms of really focusing on and expanding that relationship with our spirit self, we, most of us ignore that. So I think of sexuality, sensuality spirituality it's a quality of relationship with ourself Hmm. our higher self that we in a sense know exists but again we don't we take for granted or we ignore it to a greater degree Hmm. so i think those people those who are i think spiritual intelligence is cultivating that relationship that openness that expansion to greater and greater degrees of knowing from that divine, what I call divine or universal source of all that is the isness, the oneness of that. Now we can, we can do that in terms of seeing universal intelligence, but then is it, there's that the question. And I don't really care if it's divine intelligence, sacred to develop intelligence or just, just intelligence. It doesn't matter, but, my experience is that of expanding our awareness to include more and more of that Hmm. Um, I started last a couple I've read the alchemist a couple of times and I was been drawn to go back to the The alchemist and I'm listening to it on audibles and it is so in alignment with that the knowingness of the wisdom of the 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 soul of the earth, the soul of the universe, the soul of all of us, and the oneness of that. The whole book is about that. And that's like yes, yes, yes. That's what I'm talking about. Is know the knowing and living into the knowingness of, of life.
2: Mm.
1: The big the big L life.
0: Yes. So two questions come to mind in, in response to that very eloquent explanation. One is you mentioned the higher self, mm-hmm. and you also mentioned y- all that is you know the universal intelligence. To you, is there a distinction between the higher self and the universal intelligence? All that is, or is the higher self that?
1: um I think it's 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 the both and, and um, it's. It's one of those again tricky, tricky places that that doesn't need to be argued. It's just how people see it um, and so for instance, when i you know I've got in my in my perspective, I have angels and I have guides, and I have a higher wisdom self, and I may have in the Christian tradition, there's a holy spirit, and then there's Jesus and there's universal we'll call it God, and so there's levels of vibration. And so, me in this body, I've been working at increasing, elevating my level of consciousness and uh, my level of vibration, which then makes me more aware of and attuned to other aspects of reality. You know, I, perhaps seeing elementals. Some people can see elementals or fairies or or um, trees talking or those kinds of concepts. Or intuitiveness, uh, creativity is something that is just an is in essence who we are as creative mm-hmm. um so as i r- raise my vibration in elevation and consciousness then i have more and more access to these i think call them higher or greater levels of know universal oneness mm-hmm. so um for me it's the same and there may be you know from what other people say it's like oh yeah that the holy spirit or in the kabbalah you've got the kabbalah the, the holy spirit which is in a sense the guy that'll talk to the higher ones for you because it's said that i don't necessarily have the capacity to speak to or communicate with those higher higher realms so it doesn't matter to me what somebody believes or what's true it doesn't but it's just that i think i, I can relate to my higher self
0: I see. That's really I interesting.
1: Could, I could kind of sort of relate to a Holy Spirit part. I mean, it was part of my upbringing as a Catholic, but in a very different way, very different way. Um, and then the rest of it is as I'm, like I said, elevating, that I have greater capacity to, to have a sense of knowing in that, in that and reaching, to reaching out myself that way. Hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: It does. It's really... I'm really just processing that. It's really interesting. Something that just stood out to me is the acknowledgement of a plurality of spiritual practices and traditions and perspectives and how spiritual intelligence can express itself through any of those different approaches to spirituality, whatever exactly the belief system is. Generally, it's true that all of these so-called spiritual perspectives are similar in the way that they are focused on something greater than
2: mm-hmm.
0: the m- mortal body i suppose that's you could right. say that's
2: right. and
0: so that's 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 beautiful to me that spiritual intelligence can basically kind of fuel whatever the person's spirituality is however different it may look from other people's spirituality that's that's interesting and it's very inclusive and that seems true to me
1: Mm, thank you. If you think about all, all religions or spiritual traditions started with somebody who had an experience of knowing, Just this experience that said, I had this experience and I have this knowing that occurred because of that. Mm. And because of that, these different paths were evolved towards this greater knowing. Mm. of something divine and it's it's just that's what's true and then the spiritually the dogma um, of religious practices or the religious rules and regulations and dogmas that constrain and constrict Mm -hmm. one's ability so for instance growing up catholic we weren't allowed to talk to god Mm. we we prayed but we weren't allowed to have that one-on-one conversation we had to talk through a priest the priest was that intercessory person thing so mm-hmm. i it was like at one point i went what's what's the point of that Why, i just i don't want to go to confession and tell this guy i'm gonna tell god what what's the point right so right. i started having that just because right. i decided that was what i wanted to do it and the point where we can defer to no one you know my my spiritual like what we're having this conversation some a lot of people might argue or say ah she doesn't know what she's talking about or whatever and it doesn't matter to me this is my experience and this is the way that I frame my truth so that it's mine how I hold it and i'm totally open to supporting and empowering people to discover and find theirs that's why i do the work i do mm.
0: and i think that's that highlights maybe the distinction between spirituality and religion although religion can be full of spirituality spirituality can be separated from religion Mm -hmm. and perhaps this is one of the signature ways in which it can separate itself is in the way that it is very personal Mm
2: -hmm. and it
0: can be interpreted and designed however it's meaningful to the individual that's right interesting so let me ask you this what would you say to someone who would identify themselves as being secular or who you know, as atheist, even how, if they were to wonder whether spiritual intelligence was relevant to them,
2: mm-hmm.
0: how might it look for someone who doesn't really have a belief structure of much existing beyond what the senses can detect?
1: So in, that kind of question, um, isn't, isn't important to me. I'll say it that way. Okay. Unless it unless the person is like wanting something,
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay? Um, and not just the intellectual conversation or the intellectual bantering or opinionating process of that. Like what's the point in that? If they're trying to get something by thinking they're smarter or whatever, that isn't of interest to me. Mm-hmm. Um, what's important to me is that if somebody was asking me those questions so uh, so as we've mentioned i'm a life transformational life coach and so one of the things i know to be true is that everybody wants something from every conversation Hmm. okay so if a person says well i'm an atheist or i have this what's the point of of this spiritual and am i you know trying to you know what's where does that play a part in my life now now i can say well what is it that you want from this conversation what is there what is that and in doing that now i'm bringing it into a personal conversation what do they want uh as opposed to they're trying to get something like get being smart or get you know get me off my ground or my game but like what what is it you want by asking that question and now we're ha- going to have a real conversation
2: hmm.
1: it's like well i don't believe like okay, great. but what's for me that the starting point of most of our relationship with our spirit self is the point where we have to have a leap of faith like something's happening and at some point I can't I don't know the answers. I don't know what to do. I'm out of control or I'm in a lot of pain or a lot of loss or a lot of grief something that takes me out of my again my consensus reality and it's like i don't know what to do i'm gonna have to turn it over Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that's that in this is a moment of faith Mm -hmm. and even if it's like i gotta turn this over to nick okay i gotta turn this over to a therapist or i gotta turn this over to a doctor Mm -hmm. there's that point where our human abilities have come to in this moment a, a hard stop and now something has to shift. The 12-step program is all about letting go and letting God. Admitting powerlessness uh, is is step one. I admit that I'm powerless essentially over people, places, and things. It says I'm powerless over my addictions, but my addictions are all based on what I think about people, places, and things, right? That's all it is, interpretations. I'm powerless over my interpretations of people, places, and things. Step number two is, Come to admit that there is a power greater than myself that, if I turn my stuff over to them, will restore me to sanity. Now, that might be a doctor or a therapist or a coach or a health practitioner or a friend or a lover or a child or a pet. But there's that point where we do something that's a, a shift from personal power to using our personal power and giving it, turning it over. So every single person has that experience, everyone. And we just don't know the degree to which we're doing that. Does that make sense?
0: It does. It does. And it puts um, some clarity around the idea of faith and it makes faith, I think, relatable to more people Mm -hmm. when you think of it in that way, realizing that I'm, I've reached the limits of my abilities and my personal power. And so I need to reach beyond that. And I don't know exactly what I'm reaching for, even Beautiful. or how it will support me. But That's I'm right. I'm the faith is in the reach beyond. So to me that that makes sense in an interesting way, because actually faith has always been a somewhat difficult concept for me, I suppose. And uh-huh. so this this resonates more. Yeah. So I like it. Okay.
1: So two things I want to say about yes. that is one thing is um in this time of the COVID, incredible amount in uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And what do we do when life is uncertain? How do we respond to the uncertainties of life? And some of us do that in all different kinds of ways. We all have our strategies for dealing with uncertainty, whether it's drinking or relationships or pets or eating or meditation or walking in nature. We all have our ways of dealing with uncertainty, and the ways that we be with uncertainty are all i 'm going to say faith based because if i say i 'm going to feel better if I go outside that's i 'm turning that over so that I feel better and I go outside in nature okay that's faith based or i'm going to i'm going to take all my money out of the stock market and put it in the bank that's mm-hmm. faith based mm-hmm. That's gonna make me feel better. That's faith-based. So we're either faith-based based on, I gotta go get a job or I gotta get more money or I gotta get unemployment or I gotta to go to the doctor. It's all faith-based, but it's where we're choosing to put our faith. The other thing I was gonna say is um, David Hawkins, one of my favorite people in the world, it's not, not on the planet anymore. He said uh, faith is, his definition was a voluntary suspension of disbelief.
0: A voluntary suspension of disbelief.
1: Hmm. Now, I also, it's also could be other way, you know, voluntary, uh, suspension of belief. True. Right. Yes. Uh, we, most of us believe in the consensus reality. I, I use that as that sort of a general term for this is how we do the world. Mm-hmm. This is, in. and so if we voluntarily suspend that belief in that structure, then, oh my God, now I'm in a different paradigm basically. Mm. Faith, ah, Hmm. unknown, uncertainty, the rest of it.
0: This reminds me, I was just having a really good conversation with my wife and a couple of friends, and the topic of faith came up and we were raising the words faith and belief and knowing Mm -hmm. and how If you know something, you don't have to believe it or have faith in it. If you believe something, that seems to mean something slightly different from knowing it, because there's an element of not knowing in a belief, but it's also different from faith because you have some sort of conclusion or expectation set in place. Mm -hmm. But that faith is perhaps the farthest out. It's truly the farthest from knowing. We really right. don't know. It's based in uncertainty, like you said, and yet it is doing things without knowing what's going to happen. I suppose
2: mm-hmm.
1: hmm. you've you've decided. Um, I mean, it's like we we have faith that we go to work, we'll get paid. Mm-hmm. You know that people we have faith that our bosses will honor their word and pay us or do whatever. That that level of uh, promise and agreements and all of those things are all faith based. When we're driving down the highway, we have faith that people stay in their lane and be mindful of. So all of these places where we utilize faith, but we don't see it the same way.
0: Right, we don't until, see it the same way
1: until until it is questioned.
0: Mm. And yeah.
1: and that's that's my job as a as a transformational life coach is to question people's reality, to be their thinking partner, to say. Yes. So, where does that come from? You know, how do you do that, or how do you do faith, or all of those things? Hmm. But my questions only are in alignment with what you want. What is it you want? Okay, and to get what you want, 90% of people have to take a leap of faith because they have to let go of what they believe to be true or what's you know the the reality. I was talking to a woman yesterday, I'm part of a group. A a group and she was at the lake you know lake tahoe or whatever and beautiful woods now she comes back home to san francisco and she goes now i'm back in reality you know i'm really Im- immersed in this COVID thing i go wait a second which which is really reality
2: mm.
1: what is re- what's your reality because i live on orcas island and if you look around
2: mm.
1: right this is my reality yes there's 14 people in all of San Juan, a county where I live, that have had COVID. This is my reality.
2: Mm.
1: So what is reality? And are you willing to look at it differently so that you can perhaps have a reality that's more peaceful even with the, the COVID situation going on?
2: Mm.
1: And those are the questions like, do you want a different reality or do you want to live in the ah, of it all? What, what is it that you want?
0: Hmm. You know this this reminds me in in your book self-empowerment 101. That's the one that I read much of.
2: Uh-huh. And Thank
0: you. you talk about decoding which is a word I really like actually. Decoding beliefs that interfere with manifesting the life you want. Mhm. And I think you just gave a good example of of a belief that can be decoded or Mm -hmm. a habit of thinking that Mm -hmm. needs to be examined in, Mm -hmm. for example, talking about the reality of being in a city as being more real, as being like the reality, even though you just stepped out of nature, ancient nature. Um, So can you say a little bit more about maybe even one more example of A belief that can interfere with manifesting the life you want
1: okay when you're in a state of no data like everything in consensus reality is all data-based but what if you're you erase your data what's left what's left
2: nick
0: this is a good question yeah the word that comes to my mind is just consciousness that's right that's part of my understanding of life
1: and consciousness then what what it what is occurring within that consciousness what would you experience mm. no data in that consciousness what would you experience hmm. what's your sense or imagining pure light okay
0: that's what I imagine
1: and As you're experiencing that pure light, what's the experience? What's the quality of the experience of this consciousness, this pure light? What's it like in you as you're having this experience?
0: Perfection.
1: Okay. And in that perfection, your experience is what? If you're experiencing perfection, what is that state of being?
2: Complete. Okay. what else
1: Whole is there wholeness is there love is there or is it just a, mm, just a big
0: like that it's like that okay. almost like i can't even say another word beyond complete because complete accent. is so complete
1: okay so it's beyond language at that point yeah okay so i asked a question from the point of paradigms from the consensus reality. I just ask a question and you have an answer. You have a knowing of that. Bada bing, bada boom.
0: Mm. Yeah. Thank you for that. Making that more real for me. Yeah.
1: So my, my work basically uses four basic questions. You're getting a coaching training program right now.
2: Wow. Right.
1: So I'd wave my wand and you go, Hey, I want to be more conscious. Well, what do you have? I'll have a sense of completeness. Okay, great. What's in the way, of, that's what you want, mm. we'll say, generally speaking, here's what I want. And I can ask a whole lot of questions like, what will that look like in your life? And how will that show up? How will you know? Okay. But what I want to know, because we'll just pretend we know all that. What's in the way of this consciousness, pure light, and completeness? What's in the way of that? Mm.
0: I'm gathering. This is not a rhetorical question.
1: <laughs> no, it's not. A lot of people think it is, and and we can move on. You go. Let's move I, on. We can move I, on. I,
0: I'm with you. I, I, okay. I'm engaging this. Um, what's in the way? Hmm.
1: So, by in in essence, waving my magic wand and asking these questions, boom, you're here. Mm-hmm. Boom, you're having the experience. What keeps that from being sustainable?
2: problems to solve beautiful so put that
1: in a full sentence problems to solve what's what's the whole sentence or the whole thought
0: the whole thought is that problems to solve prevent me from feeling a sense of total completion beautiful
1: awesome one single thing in in essence keeps you you're this far away from this Mm. okay so that's question number two well question one what do you want number two what's in the way problems to solve question three what needs to shift what needs to shift so that you have this level of consciousness this level of pure light and and completeness
0: The problems need to be solved, <laughs> okay. but but I'm aware that there will always be more problems. There will always be issues that need to be addressed by humans, and okay. yet I'm okay without that sense of completion because okay. the effort to help solve problems is so meaningful Great that that itself gives me a sense of fulfillment if not completion
1: lovely beautiful so in essence you're more dedicated in this lifetime to that work and that fulfillment than being in the state of enlightenment
0: that's a great way to put it and And it's good to know
1: right it's just good good to know yeah so you have a commitment to enlightenment but you have this other commitment And dedication and the sense of passion and fulfillment that i'm hearing that says no this is
2: actually the higher higher commitment for me right now awesome
0: there's a little shift there that's really helpful because the shift i'm experiencing is being at peace with that beautiful being at peace with my very ambitious personality being at peace with knowing that I will always be seeking a problem to solve or trying to create something valuable for people
1: yeah beautiful and you are now at choice about that mm. more so yes and the, the the part of you I'm gonna make this assumption the part of you that has not been able to be at peace about that is i should want alignment mm. or i should and that's part of that consensus reality like i'm not okay if i'm doing this and not wanting that okay, okay. so that's okay. all part of that consensus conversation within the consensus reality but if we say okay i'm i don't need to feel guilty or shame or anything i'm at peace right now about i'm i'm loving this work
2: Mm. Right. Yes.
1: That's what it's about. Beautiful. Yeah.
0: I think so, that was the best way for you to help me understand this work. <laughs> okay. A little sample.
1: <laughs> it's it's interesting because for me it's it's that human spirit connection. My mm. my vision statement. Or when asked, you know, what's the vision of the world for you? What is it you're wanting to do? What is it what you're wanting? to see in the world that's our vision my vision is the fulfillment of the human spirit and so the full the f- the fulfillment of the human spirit through the empowerment of every individual on the planet mm. that's my vision statement so that's what i do is i empower people by saying hey what do you want you can have it i'm the ma- i'm your magic your fairy godmother yes and then you get to say yeah i want that and really like this i'm really happy right here and it's like or whatever that is. But mm-hmm. the fulfillment to to bring, that's what the self-empowerment book is all about, is, is you can empower yourself to have it exactly how you want it. Mm. But part of that is seeing how our consensus view of reality constricts that possibility. Understood. Each and every one of us is universal potentiality, 100%. And I'm responsible for what I do with that. And if I constrain myself with limited thinking based on what my upbringing told me, then I'm not open to the amazing capacities that just show up. That's what, again, the alchemy alchemist is about things show up when you're in alignment with your heart's desire. When you, when you have a sense of that, hmm. you have to be open to that rather than go. And most people will say, Rosie, what I want is blah, 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 but I can't have it. It's too big or whatever. And they've just negated and 99% I think of us do that have that conversation. I want this but
0: but yeah. I have two questions that are in my mind that feel like kind of big questions or challenging questions for you. The first one is I have I find myself thinking about spiritual bypassing
2: mm-hmm.
0: and, you know, I know you know what that is but just to kind of say out loud just this way of using spirituality to avoid real responsibilities and real emotional problems or relationship issues
2: mm-hmm.
0: and i can i feel like i can see a way where someone who was just trying to maybe disconnect with a very real problem in the world or in their own life could just try to try to shift their paradigm in a way that just makes it so that they're not seeing it, but it's still real. Mm -hmm. For example, if someone were to say, I don't want to live in a world with injustice, so I'm going to stop believing that there is injustice. That would, of course, be a way of breaking from consensus reality that feels not like you're rising above it, but sort of falling below seeing it.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So I'm wondering if you can just Respond to that? How can we keep people anchored in what really is real and yet also open to universal potentiality?
1: That's a, like you say, that's a really difficult question. Um, there are, I, I want to first address that there are spiritual bypasses, but there are people who use intellectualization as a bypass. Mm, true. There are people who use emotionalization as bypasses. Mm. Okay so uh that's just part of that so it's just interesting that even because of dealing more in the spirit with people who are more on the spiritual part of the continuum that happens to be the you know i uh i'm not it doesn't exist because it doesn't exist Mm. but it's it's it in a sense that when we look around me and there isn't the covid trauma drama where I live in you know to the degree that it is someplace else my reality is this your reality is something else Mm -hmm. somebody in New York City working in the hospital that's a different those are different realities so I can't say that reality doesn't exist but it isn't the one that I'm living in it's like different channels on a tv or a radio yes or youtube channels okay it's like, well, my channel has me watching aquariums and fish things, mm-hmm. you know, somebody else's reality. So, so that's part of the challenge, right? How I, choose to, how I choose to be with those different realities is, I think, the, the challenge, the injustice. Am I turning my back? Am I ignoring it? Or am I working on myself in a way that shifts the vibration of it all? Because in a sense when we do our own work we're doing the work of the world and that's sometimes that's hard for people i love that are people in the world that do social justice work because they're doing social justice work they can do it in the world i don't operate that way i do personal justice work when i'm dealing with the injustices in my own life in a way that is honoring of all of it and respecting that shifts the vibration and the resonance and the consciousness level of the whole world.
0: That makes sense.
1: So, so I don't watch news programs. I don't want to hear anything about the politics because there's an insanity that skews what skews me. Okay. I don't like that feeling. It doesn't help. It doesn't solve anything for me. And it doesn't bring me to another level of higher consciousness. Doesn't so, some people will say, well, that's a spiritual bypass. It's like, no, I'm doing my work in a different way.
0: That makes sense.
1: So if, if somebody uh, was coming in and say, hey, I want to do something about social justice. Okay, well, so what's that look like for you? Well, I don't want to go out and be in protests. I don't want to, I don't want to, and I don't want to, and I don't want to. Okay, great. That totally makes sense to me because I don't want to, right? Or if somebody said, I want to be on the front lines, I want to, and I want to, and I want to, and I go, excellent. How, how, how do we make that happen? Right. And so either way, it's like, how do we make that happen? Where, where's your way? Like we started out this conversation, every one of us has our own way of doing and being this human spirit. So a lot of people do take spiritual bypasses some people take political bypasses or economical bypasses or whatever it is so they don't have to and they can ignore and avoid their own anxieties own hurt feelings brokenness all of that Mm. i'll do it all the time
0: makes makes a lot of sense to me i know i've said the words make sense five times in the last three minutes but i meant it every time and i guess yeah it's interesting to think about how we can take many routes to bypass what we don't want to experience or address. Mm -hmm. Maybe spirituality is an especially popular one because it's so appealing in many ways and just empowering to think about and practice. But it's true. You're right that we can take bypass routes in many ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. The other question I wanted to raise to you was just about the topic of free will. Mm -hmm. And something I know you've written about is, accountability and responsibility so and to me just to share a little bit of a background where i'm coming from here i see free will as inseparable from responsibility because Mm -hmm. if you believe in determinism that we don't have any free will and that everything we do and think and say is caused by impersonal factors then you really can't be held accountable for anything you do because it wasn't your choice really. But if you are free, if there is some degree to which we can choose our thoughts, words, and deeds, then we are responsible for them because we were free to do otherwise.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. So I raised that just to express, you know, that, that thought and also just to hear your understanding of free will
1: in 2010 i had a spiritual emerge what i call a spiritual immersion is life changed and i went down into a huge process dark dark night of the soul all of those kinds of things and through all that process i could get to higher and higher levels of consciousness coming out of the darkness and i realized if i did some activities that kind of took me down but if i did other things it would take me back up Mm. so i'm at free will So it's like, wait, I want more of that. And I still like hot dogs or I still like, you know, but I'm at free will. There's no, there's no, nobody's judging me for that. It's like loving parents who put their kids in a sandbox and they're doing stuff and they get dirty and all that stuff. And they're going, oh, that's what they're here to do. And I love that because I felt that made me feel so much more okay about choosing what I choose. And it's not a sin that I'm going to go to hell for. It's like, oh, that didn't feel good when I did that. I'm not going to do it again. Or I'm going to try not to do it again. Or I'm not going to do it as often. But that for me is that free will place. And the greater degree of expansion and ascension I experience, the more I want to choose that part of my free will. Mm. So that's, that's my say on that.
0: Well said. And I think it's, it's important to highlight the, the interesting, I don't know if it's a paradox or just dynamic that you are free, but the only thing you're not free from is the consequences of those free choices you made.
1: That's right. Isn't that that great? Yeah, that's great. You know, there's all these analogies, the butterfly, the caterpillar, the butterfly, those kinds of things, but that quite often transform the transformative experience is based on years or lifetimes of processing that brings about come you know bada bing bada boom oh my god i had this experience
2: right
1: mm. so quite often and in my experience too is a lot of underground work a lot of processing a lot of stuff happening and then all of a sudden wow here's transformation so my work as a transformational coach is more of a steward than it is an I, and I call it agent of transformation because this process can be grueling. This process is not about, Oh, let me help you have this transformational experience. Uh, uh-uh. this is hard, grueling work to create this reality. Cause most people want transformation. This is a blog I wrote. It's on my website. People want transformation. They just don't want to change. Right. Mm. <laughs> if you're transformed, if you have a transformational experience, uh, a lot of people have spiritually transformative experiences either through near death or whatever and they it's like what do you do you, you're transformed now you're in a different paradigm and it's like i don't know it's against uncertainty and just a different reality if you're mm. transformed right you're in a different reality butterfly the caterpillar knows how to do caterpillar doesn't know how to do butterfly right what do you do right most people will collapse or get depressed Go back, find their way back to consensus reality, mm. that kind of stuff. Because they don't have a context. They haven't developed yes. that.
0: That's, so, that's it. Yeah. I just, not to interject or interrupt, but the context, that's so important to me. And that is one way I believe that our general mental health field is failing people, is that they don't bring the framework of transformation into people's suffering. We are so, like, whoever is using the DSM and making very quick diagnoses is overlooking the possibility that this person might be amidst a transformation, that there's absolutely nothing wrong with them or their brain, and that this disorder might be in the service of higher order. That's right. If we don't see it like that, it literally prevents, I think, how many people actually go through that. And like you said, they kind of revert back to maladaptive coping mechanisms or new maladaptive coping mechanisms or that's anything right. that just makes the symptoms go away. That's right. With, without, I guess, growing yeah. through them.
1: People aren't seen in their wholeness, in their sacredness, their divineness, they're seen in their broken pathology. Mm. So that's what I love about my work mm. is, I, I mean, and that's what I love about, one of the things I love about me is that I get to see people because I was able to learn how to see people in their wholeness, Mm -hmm. in their brilliance, in their intelligence, that's already there. I don't have to cultivate intelligence. You got it.
0: Beautiful, yes. You know, that reminds me, one of the quotes that like sticks in my mind is Carl Rogers' definition of unconditional positive regard. Mm -hmm. He, the quote, the definition that he offered was um, seeing someone as having within him or herself vast resources mm-hmm. for self-understanding for altering his or her self-concept attitudes and self-directed behavior and that this that these resources can be tapped if only a climate of facilitative psychological attitudes can be provided yeah and i feel like you do that you provide uh, facilitative psychological attitudes with your acceptance and empowering attitudes that help helped me just now and help people tap their own resources that's right so thank you so much for this amazing work really you're welcome i I really feel grateful that i got to sample it today
1: yeah thank you gosh
0: well if i didn't wait till the last day to go pay my taxes (laughs) i would be able to continue this conversation for even longer i know you have a client coming up too though so thank you so much for a really meaningful fun and insightful conversation
1: you're very welcome. Okay. And I really appreciate, I just have to say that, that you make it easy to have this conversation to this degree. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you for that. Your listening is really beautiful. Your presence is really beautiful. So That, wow. that helps that a lot. Yeah. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. Thank you for yeah. expressing that.